we shut up these pundits. That's what I love about it. That's exactly why we keep getting pantsed by every podcast on the internet. It's a mashup. I was quoting a remix. The yearbook sportscast. It's available. And that's about it. Most places you find your podcasts, you can listen to back episodes, uh, subscribe uh, to the yearbook. Full name uh, says in the yearbook. I'm your host, Doug. So the uh, coronavirus, in addition to everything else, canceled all spring college sports. Softball, baseball, lacrosse, etc. They all got underway. But unlike the winter college sports where the postseason tournaments were canceled, spring sports were only a few weeks into the regular season. And many, many schools had yet to even play a home game in their spring sport when their sports were called off. So this is unprecedented. It's not the players' faults. This is not one of those things like an isolated hazing incident where the players lose the privilege to play. So the NCAA said this year's spring seniors can come back next year if they want and play out their senior years then, next year. That is absolutely the right decision, and the NCAA should be applauded for it. Uh, There's no but. Uh, Unfortunately, allowing seniors another year is one thing. Actually making it happen is another thing. For one, uh, each individual school can decide what it wants to do here, and schools with less money who I'm sure would likely love to help their seniors, won't be able to afford to carry the extra scholarships and have them next year. Those same schools say they may not even be able to field teams in so-called non-revenue sports if the football money doesn't roll in or they don't get some kind of assistance. The schools and conferences that have spoken up that don't have all the money in the world say they might have to cut sports Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I haven't seen their financial statements, and I wouldn't know what to make of the financial statements even if I did see them. Uh, There are other issues here. Uh, Baseball, roster size-wise, has a ton of people on hand uh, each season. So college baseball teams, for example, are already full for next year, and now you might have many, many extra players on one team or players who are just never going to see the light of day, and they're going to have to go elsewhere. They're on Team A, and they're going to have to transfer to School B to actually play. And I haven't even mentioned the most pivotal part here, which is the uh, student-athletes. I haven't even mentioned them yet. The student-athletes who might not be able to afford another year of college, even if they wanted to come back, or who have to debate whether they can put everything else on hold to wait until next spring to finish their sports careers. Whatever they decide, the athletes deserve to have the choice to keep playing. Uh, If you're not familiar, non-revenue sports include basically all college sports that are not football and men's and women's basketball. Even if your school's baseball team, and there are some profitable ones, even if your school's baseball team or lacrosse team makes money, or your school has a uh, well-supported gymnastics program that turns a profit, even if those all make money at your school, those sports are all still lumped in to the non-revenue category. They're all considered non-revenue. So uh, during all this, Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez said on his monthly radio show, this was several weeks ago because that's what podcasts are all about. They're timely. He said on his monthly radio show that Wisconsin is opting out. Again, allowing seniors another year of eligibility is up to each individual school. Wisconsin, according to Barry Alvarez, will not allow its spring seniors to return to compete next year. According to the athletic director, Alvarez, about 35 
Wisconsin players, Wisconsin seniors would have had the option to return. But Alvarez is quoted as saying, quote, what we tried to do was encourage our seniors to go ahead. And if you're going to graduate, graduate and move on with your life, end quote. Quoting, we appreciate everything that you've done, but move forward. The future is in question, and we can't promise you anything, end quote. The Wisconsin Athletic Department then released a statement that said the school would do everything possible to support student-athletes working toward their degrees, but that they wouldn't be able to play next year. Seniors won't be able to play next year for Wisconsin. Okay, no one can say for sure what's going to happen in the near future with college sports. Will women's soccer, if not football, return in the fall? Will men's and women's basketball be the first ones to come back with crowds? Saberi Alvarez is absolutely right about the uncertainty, and he should know he's in charge of an athletic department. And I don't know what his tone was when he broke this news face-to-face to the Badger seniors. I'm assuming that it was all a positive session. But before you applaud Alvarez... For just telling it like it is, the way he made the news public was just out of touch. First, he calls the NCAA decision to allow extra eligibility, quote, an overreaction, unquote. Allowing athletes who just had their sports taken from them the opportunity to have a one-time do-over without actually promising financial aid, was, quote, unquote, an overreaction. These are not kids who were who were careless with the quarter mama gave them, and then they went and lost it, and there needs to be a lesson here. These are kids who had their sports, who had their lives stolen suddenly by something no university could protect them from. So what's the lesson in saying doing the right thing, giving players the choice of an extra year, is an overreaction? Being honest about the situation, that's great. But just telling your seniors to, quote, graduate and move on with your life, quote, we appreciate everything that you've done, but move forward, end quote. For at least the last four years, Wisconsin athletics was their full-time job for these kids. College sports, no matter what level, no matter what sport, college sports is a full-time job. That is in addition to the academics and everything else. It's already a a full-time job. They all worked out at Wisconsin year-round. They hit the weights year-round. They made sacrifices year-round for at least four years, all for the glory of Bucky and the W. Now that almost all that work has come and gone, and three years of tickets have been sold, and the recruit hosting is done, and all that public goodwill is now out there, and all the future recruits have been signed up, and all that representing the university is out there. Now that Wisconsin has spent three-plus years banking all of that labor, now the athletic director, at least in public, tells his athletes to get a life? Does, quote, we appreciate everything that you've done, end quote, cover everything we just talked about plus i'm pretty sure university officials won't be using the phrase quote but move forward end quote when they eventually call these graduates asking for money they'll want players to think backward to dear old wisconsin and forget about the part where it was too expensive to have them back and the seniors were all pretty much out of here anyway can those spring athletes then refer the wisconsin foundation to barry alvarez when the wisconsin foundation calls Can they tell them to contact Barry Alvarez? Yeah, college sports is big business. This happens. Welcome to big business. But you can't just lead by example, discussed during that very radio show, and show a little public backing 
for those kids. Tail end of the school year, non-revenue Badgers are still Badgers. The highest profile spring sport at Wisconsin is softball, which is not Alvarez's fault. This has nothing to do with him. But again, at least publicly, he tells the spring players, we appreciate you and move on. But he doesn't at all raise their profile. When basketball was canceled, plenty of outlets everywhere were there talking about it, and rightfully so. Plenty of attention was paid to the lost season and the costs. But who's feeling badly for and applauding the Wisconsin golf, tennis, track and field, rowing, lightweight rowing, and softball teams? Those were all the spring sports on their way out. Not Alvarez. At least not in public. Most of the rest of the radio show quickly moved on to men's basketball and football. Yes, that's the big show. That's why people listen. But on the same day he ended his seniors' careers, he couldn't take two minutes. He couldn't take a minute just to highlight something from track and field on the way out. Nope. Get off campus. Out of sight, out of mind. Hey, when's summer? And you can joke. No one cares about those sports, etc. But all those sports have parents, and all those sports have fans. The parents and fans who go to Kohl's, a Wisconsin sponsor, and buy their Bucky Badger and Wisconsin gear and proudly wear it to those events. And all those sports have crushing stories about having it all taken away suddenly by some invisible thing. And all those athletes in the same radio show that also discussed the importance of playing through adversity were told to get a life. I'd be mad. Uh, Contact us at says in the yearbook at hotmail.com. Again, I'm Doug. This is uh, the yearbook sportscast. Everyone, everyone, including us, wanted IndyCar to somehow, someway get itself on a big money documentary slash reality series like Hard Knocks for the publicity and maybe for some additional fans that it would generate. What we should have been hoping for all this time instead was for IndyCar to get itself into a big money Steven Soderbergh movie, which is a way more realistic goal. Now, Steven Soderbergh is in the news a lot right now, but not for this, not for what we're talking about. It's because never have so many people watched the movie Contagion. I mean, everyone's different. Everybody reacts completely differently. There's no problem with that. We're not complaining. It's just something, it's just something that, that uh, we don't want to do. Uh, with a real thing going on, we can't watch a movie about a fake same thing going on. But a lot of people are doing it, and they've, they've really enjoyed it. It's helped them out. Uh, anyway, Steven Soderbergh directs a movie called Logan Lucky in 2017. We really liked it, but we're terrible at recommendations. Uh, it is not as fast-paced as the Ocean's Eleven movies, which might lose you. Uh, the first while in Logan Lucky takes time to develop out the characters, but we really, really liked it. So it is a mainstream movie that attracted a lot of big-name actors, Adam Driver, Channing Tatum, and several more who were excellent. So everything about this movie is mainstream. It's not a niche thing. But it's a heist movie, and the heist involves robbing NASCAR's Coca-Cola 600 in Charlotte. This is genius. Steven Soderbergh and his wife, who wrote the movie, put out a movie with potential broad interest with NASCAR as a backdrop. It is not a NASCAR movie, so even non-NASCAR fans would see it perfect. Uh, This part, by the way, does not give away the plot at all. I sincerely apologize in advance, though. It is a mild cameo giveaway. This is not a plot point. So, again, I apologize. We're going to do this right now. Uh, The movie also works in some NASCAR drivers, and they're not playing drivers. They're not playing themselves. They all show up as regular working people. This 
is what IndyCar needs. This right here is what IndyCar needs. IndyCar has the Indianapolis 500, a mainstream event, an event on the short list of, I really have to experience this event, mainstream events, even as no one really cares about the rest of the IndyCar series. So the potential movies plot that we're pitching here is, we're going to rob the Indy 500. You shoot it, in part, at the Indy 500, which Steven Soderbergh did to great effect at the Coca-Cola 600 for his movie. You poke fun at IndyCar like Logan Lucky did with NASCAR's support, and then you have a movie when it's done that even if it bombs will still be seen by many. Even a bomb is seen by a lot of people. And then after that, it's going to live on in streaming and reruns and debates about movies. Best of all, it gets non-IndyCar fans to actually witness an IndyCar or an IndyCar driver. That is so much more and so much better publicity than Hard Knocks IndyCar could ever deliver. This is completely 100% doable. Unfortunately. You can't get a better director than Steven Soderbergh, and Logan Lucky has already been made. So the best really IndyCar can realistically hope for here is an Ocean's 12 type of deal where Soderbergh and everyone else return in Logan's Lucky again, and the sequel is set at the Indy 500. Uh, Important disclaimer, Logan Lucky lost about $2 million, which you may have already known. So in effect, it did bomb. But again, the movie's made. It's good, and now it lives on forever. It's out there. Uh, More importantly, Logan Lucky also added to the debate, which is ongoing about social media versus so-called old media. Uh, Logan Lucky spent a lot of its promotional money advertising on social platforms, which is what the director, Steven Soderbergh, this is what he told Vox, that's what he wanted. Uh, But Soderbergh added that now he thinks that, at least in that case, that that might have been a mistake. Also, the movie uh, partially takes place in West Virginia, uh, but there there were no, this is probably a trademark thing, but there were no West Virginia logos to be had. No uh, WVU, no Mountaineers logos to be had, which if, if you've spent any time in a neighboring state uh, sitting around the pool, there is West Virginia gear everywhere. Uh, the good thing about uh, stay-at-home orders is, since you can't be at the pool with all the West Virginia fans, the good thing about stay-at-home orders is uh, we got addicted to paydays. The candy. we got, Isn't that the candy that... Kids on Halloween uh, can't wait to, like, give away, trade, or just plain throw out. Supposedly, Payday is the 13th most popular candy in the U.S., but that sounds uh, really high. And best of all, no one is buying them. Did anyone buy them before? No one's even in the same aisle as the Paydays. Uh, So things happened at the NFL draft. By the way, that is not a sponsorship. We would tell you about that. Seriously, think about it. Why would Payday, why would anybody want to sponsor this. We always thought, anyway, Payday, ironically, was not worth anything. But again, apparently it's the 13th bestseller in the country. Uh, so things happened at the draft. Uh, Georgia Southern's the NFL draft. Georgia Southern's uh, Kendall Vildor, whose name we might still be mispronouncing, was taken by the Bears in the fifth round. Uh, but his highlight package, when he was drafted, did not include his punch out of the ball as a UMass running back soared by him, Superman-like. He was, what would you call that, horizontal to the ground? Uh, This is back in 2017 in a game between the two. Uh, Vildor caused a fumble right at the goal line, defended the goal line that resulted in a touchback Georgia Southern ball. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, the greatest play in human history, but the opposing running back was like Superman for some reason stealing someone's luggage. I'll take that. So long, suckers. And Kendall Vildor just 
punches the luggage out of Superman's hand as he flies by, and then his teammates pounce on the luggage and were awarded possession of the luggage at the 20-yard line. That may be the finest play he's ever made, which is saying something because he just got drafted. Uh, but that highlight didn't make the cut. Yeah, we're ticked off that somebody didn't use the highlight we like. Uh, speaking of UMass, Isaiah Rogers, the guy who was a defensive back yet was the only non-offensive player among the top 200 players in NCAA all-purpose yards. This guy plays defense, and he gained hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards. He was in the top 30 in all-purpose yards in the NCAA last season. He was taken to the sixth round by the Colts. Uh, with any of the players we're mentioning, none of them are safe. Uh, we won't know if Rodgers is going to be a pro until the regular season starts. Uh, don't trust what anyone says beforehand. We won't know until cutdown day what teams actually think of him. Uh, and there was the other UMass guy drafted, Jack Driscoll from Auburn University, who went to the Eagles in the sixth round. In the uh, fourth round, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not a typo, but the fourth round was a typo. He went in the fourth round. Not a typo, though, that uh, UMass's, uh, UMass graduate uh, goes to Auburn. He started, Jack Driscoll actually started uh, at UMass. He began his career at UMass as a six foot five, 263 pound tight end. And after three years in 2017, he had become a six five, 300 pound offensive lineman. Driscoll then left for Auburn, where symbolically he almost immediately wound up in a huge picture in Sports Illustrated. Uh, he actually dropped four pounds down to 296 in his preseason Auburn media guide weight uh, last season. But actually, he was listed, I believe, in the combine up another nine pounds to 306. Whatever, whatever it was worked. I mean, he got drafted, uh, and he might actually be safe as a fourth rounder. The Nebraska Twins uh, both got drafted. Um, Nebraska is not their last name. They played at Nebraska. An identical twin defensive lineman Khalil Davis was taken by the Buccaneers one round later. Identical twin to Carlo, uh, identical twin rather, Carlos Davis was taken by the Steelers. Uh, those two twins just finished their college careers, losing four consecutive times to Iowa's identical twin offensive lineman, the Paulsons. Now, yeah, that is a little misleading if you're familiar. I mean, it's not like the Davises and the Paulsons lined up against each other on every snap over the last four years. For a long time, they weren't on the field at the at the same time, or not all four were on the field at the same time. But Nebraska and Iowa just spent the last several years having identical defensive linemen play directly against identical offensive linemen. Upset, Georgetown football receiver Michael Darius. Michael Darius signed as a free agent with the nearby Ravens. Now, Darius out of Georgetown was definitely an NFL prospect. I mean, I guess it was largely expected he would be a free agent, but he was definitely an NFL prospect, but only the second-best prospect at Georgetown. His teammate Christian Tate has been talked about for months. He was highly thought of, but so far he's unsigned. Um, although, as far as Georgetown goes, every time a guard was drafted in the NFL draft last weekend, we thought it was another Georgetown player because the big G in the graphic just slightly reminded us of the stylized Georgetown G. It is not the same. It's not the same. But when you're half paying attention and every single time a guard was drafted and you just look up and they pop up the headshot, we would see that G and, and be like, that guy's from Georgetown? Over and over. Over and over. 